Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I'm okay saying, God, I don't, I don't know what that means, uh, what all these rewards are, but, but you've done a pretty good job with everything else you've done, so I, I'm just going to leave this reward thing in your hands and trust, just trust you for it. When you were a child, were there ever times when your parents rewarded you for doing something they wanted you to do? Parents know that sometimes they have to discipline their children for bad behavior, but parents also love to reward their children for good behavior. What about our Heavenly Father? Does He do the same? I'm so grateful that God doesn't uh, reward the way the world would reward, right? God's rewards will not be based on on prominence or, or popularity or or anything like that. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we continue in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in our series, Crossroads. Most of us understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have the promise of heaven. But as we'll see today, God also promises rewards to those who choose to do life with Him. God's rewards will be based on sacrifice. God's rewards will be based on, on surrender. God's rewards will be based on service. What are God's rewards? How do we receive them? Those are just some of the truths we're going to explore. Now here's Pastor Clay. Did y'all hear about the guy that has taken legal action to officially uh, be recognized as 49, I think it's 49 years old. Y'all heard about this guy? He's, he's, in, his, he's in his 60s, 60. 68, 68 years old, but he doesn't feel 68 years old, he says. Doesn't feel 68 years old, and so he doesn't want people to think of him as 68 years old, and so he is, whatever you have to do to be legally, get legal status, and quite honestly, borrowing from the, the current transgender movement, uh, he is self-identifying as a 49-year-old. He's self-identifying as a 49-year-old, and he wants the government, he wants everybody else to recognize him as 49 years old. Now, I'm not sure what happens next year. I don't know if he just stays 49 in perpetuity, perpetuity or, he just, or he just goes on up from there. But, but he, want, he is self-identified, and he wants to be recognized as 49 years old. There's just one problem with that. He's not 49 years old. He's, he's not 49 years old. I mean... He can, he can self-identify as that. He can, he can believe that. He can, he can feel like he's 49 years old. That's fantastic. But the truth is, he's not 49 years old. He's 68 or whatever he is. That's the truth. If you were with us when we started this series uh, a number of weeks ago now, that very first day, that first Sunday that we kicked off Crossroads, this series... Uh, through Paul's letters to the church in Corinth. I spent a good bit of time that day emphasizing the importance of, of establishing in your life. Now listen, forget about everybody else for just a moment. Just in your life, establishing where does your truth come from? Remember, if you were here that first week, you may remember I talked a lot about it, quite honestly. I was building a case for where this whole letter, these letters are going to go. But establishing in your mind where is the source of your truth. Because the question has to be asked, because it is being asked in our culture today, is 
truth arbitrary? Is truth a moving target? Is truth something that I can determine for myself based on whatever I feel is best for me, that that can be my truth? I want to be 49 years old, that's my truth. Is that what truth actually is? Or is truth confirmed, established by a God who established it and therefore that truth does not change because that God, our God, does not change, Malachi 3.6. And, and listen, I'm not, I mean, I, I, get, I know, appreciate it, I get some amens on that because you're like, yeah, the God's established truth. But you understand, that, that, is, that is a very relative question in the culture in which we live today. There are lots of people Try, trying to determine or have determined that either truth is established or no, truth is this, is this moving thing. And depending on where we are as a culture, where I am feeling in my particular life or, or that sort of thing, that, that I can establish that truth. That is probably not the last time I will remind you of how I started this series off. And the reason is because throughout First and Second Corinthians, Paul teaches some things, Paul makes some statements that from a, a human perspective, from a worldly perspective, may not seem very logical or practical or truthful. So establishing your truth is really, really important. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you brought a copy of God's Word, electronic copy, hard copy, uh, stone tablet, whatever the case may be, uh, Turn, it, turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We dove into just a little bit of it last week, just the first four verses. I want to read those to you again and remind you of uh, this truth, this simple, straightforward truth that Paul brings out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all with me? <laughs> okay. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh. As to infants in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not yet able. For you're still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not Mere men. Are you not acting like mere men? And the, the simple, straightforward truth that I emphasized last week is that Paul is saying, grow up. You, you, you've got to grow up in this thing. And he makes a connection between uh, your, your growing in this knowledge. Remember, he says, I, I got to keep giving you milk. In other words, the very the basic things of, of God, the basic things of Christ, the the, the very, he said, but there's more to it. There's a lot of depth. There's so much more that we can study and explore about God. And that's what I, I would call solid foods, what Paul's saying. But I couldn't give you that. I wanted to, but I couldn't give you that. As a matter of fact, I still can't give it to you. And so he's making this connection. And he's basically saying that spiritual maturity, you may remember I said, if you were here last week, spiritual maturity is tied to theological maturity. That being confident, being joyful, being uh, able to overcome your circumstances, having victory and all the temptations and all that stuff. Have, living this life, and as I talked about last week, that everybody wants to live, even though they're looking in lots of different places. Life of contentment and joy and peace and uh, purpose. And, right? Right? Am I wrong in saying that, that that's the life that everybody really wants to live? 
They may look at it for it in lots of different places, but Paul is saying that life is actually a spiritual life. And a spiritual life, a mature spiritual life, is found in theological maturity. It's time to move on to solid food. It's time to grow up. That's basically what he says there. And I had several of you respond this week and tell me that the, the message uh, really uh, spoke to your heart and brought some conviction to you, and I, I appreciate all of that. I, I really do. And I encourage you just to continue on in that, that vein and to think about that. All right, what, what does it take to grow up? How do I keep growing up? How do I keep maturing in this walk? with Christ. There's a couple other uh, straightforward, simple truths that he gives. Hopefully we'll get to both of them today, but we'll see. I want to uh, give you the second one now. First he says grow up. Looked at that last week. Go back and watch that message. Listen to that message if you'd like to. The second one today is build up. Last week he's focusing on on this life, right? He's saying, if you, want to, if you want the life that you want to have here, you've got to have spiritual maturity. You've got to want to have spiritual maturity. You've got to have theological maturity. And so it's his focus on his life. Now, watch this. He turns uh, to uh, a, a different perspective and he starts talking about the next life, the other life, the what happens after this life. And Paul says, build up. Let me, let me read it to you. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. And now we're going to pick it up in verse 5, okay? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains... He will receive a, say it, reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Father, today as we uh, explore this, this second idea of uh, build up, I pray that your uh, truth would just speak in and to each one of us. As always, I'm very grateful to be your messenger boy to your people uh, today. Uh, Father God, uh, I may know some of what's going on in some people's lives, but you know everything that's going on in everyone's life. And I pray as we apply this truth today that it would really, really just be driven deep down into their heart, into their life uh, about what it means to build up. Uh, God, may your truth be uh, impactful uh, to each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says there's this problem. As I said last week, this problem keeps coming up, keeps mentioning this. But if you've, if you've been in this series, you know that the church in Corinth had a problem. 
honestly, like us, they, they had a lot of problems. But one in particular was that they were, they were puffed up with pride. They were, they were full of themselves, so to speak, in, in different sections within the church. They were puffed up with pride over the particular person that they had chosen to identify with as, as the person they looked up to as, as their spiritual leader. Well, well, we're of Paul. We're, we're with the guy that founded this church. We think he's awesome, and, and he came to us and brought us the good news, and, and we're with Paul. So? We're with Apollos. Man, he's, he is brilliant. He is unbelievable. We're, we're with Apollos. Who cares? We're with, we're with the Apostle Peter. Oh, sure, maybe he's never been here, but I want to tell you something. He's, he's literally been with Jesus. He looked in the empty tomb. We, we're going to identify with that guy. Right? Right? This keeps coming up. And listen, can I say this? It's perfectly fine to have, to have people that, that, that you identify with or, or people that you can appreciate who've had an influence in your life, particularly people perhaps who had some type of spiritual influence in your life. It's perfectly fine to, to have admiration or respect or uh, appreciation for somebody like that. I have people like that in my life, but this is way past that. This is way past that. They were so identifying with each group, that it was, with each person, that it was causing these distinct divisions within the church. And, as we'll see when we get to chapter 4, it was causing some people to even question whether the Apostle Paul even had any authority in the church. But the Apostle Paul is about to bust everybody's bubble because, as we just read a moment ago, he says in verses 5, 6, and 7, hey, None of us are anything. None of us are anything. He says, sure, I, I, I planted, I came, and I founded this church. I brought the gospel to you. I, I got this thing going. And sure, Apollos came along, and, 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 he, and he's brilliant. I'm, I'm filling in some stuff here, but you understand what, 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 the, what he's saying. And, and he's, he's helped you. He's, he's watered this thing and continue. But listen, folks, is what he says. But listen, folks, God brings the increase. God brings the increase. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kingdom of God. I want you to understand, this is the kingdom of God that we're talking about. And the kingdom of God is bigger than any one of us and more important than all of us. It really is. So it doesn't, none of this really, really, really matters about, about who did what or who, who gets to do this or who gets credit for what or, or, or whatever the case may be. You can see how Paul is establishing this fact that, that, that we're all the same in this. We're all part of this, this work, this thing that's going on. We're all part of this kingdom. And we should be unified in our love for each other and singular in our purpose. We're all the same in this. But then, okay, after 5, 6, and 7 and saying, ah, we're, we're all the same. It's not Paulus. It's not me. Peter, I don't even know about that guy. It's not any of us. It's, it, it's not about that. God brings the increase. God gets the glory. God gets the credit here. But after saying that, watch this. After saying that, he turns around in verse 8 and says something that, that you don't hear a lot about in the Bible. You hear about it some, but not a lot. In verse 8, he says, I'm sorry, what? It should be up there? Okay, it's not, but that's okay. Um, in verse 8, he says, now he who plants, let me just read it to you. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Watch this. So th- there's that idea, right? He who plants, he who waters, he who does this, he who does that. They're all one. We're all the same in this, right? 
But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this? Yes, we, we, we're, we're the same in this. I'll talk about that again in a minute. We're the same in this. But God, look at me now. God wants to reward you for your part in his kingdom purposes, in the building of his kingdom. God wants to reward you. Matter of fact, let's, uh, why don't you say that with me? Let's, let's, let's turn around. Let's, let's, let's use a personal pronoun. God wants to reward me for my part in his kingdom work. Can we, just, can we just pause for just a moment and just think about that? The creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, the all-powerful one, the one who loves so much, this God desires to personally reward you for your part in, in this life, in, in the building of his kingdom and the purposes and intentions that he has for you. God intends to reward you for your part in his kingdom work. Amazing. Now, the question could be asked then, well, what does that mean? God wants to reward me. What does that mean? What do God's rewards look like? Right? What would God's rewards look like? Can you see why, before I answer that question, can you see why Paul this idea of God, God rewarding you. Can you see why before I move on, he says, he sets this whole thing up by saying we're all the same. Can you see what he's saying about this, about this fact that God wants to individually reward you? Paul's saying that it, it doesn't, the guy that stands up here and preaches doesn't deserve any more of a reward than, than the lady that serves faithfully every week down in the children's ministry. The person with the lights on them leading the people in worship doesn't deserve any more of a reward than the, than the people that get here early and unload that truck and set up in the cold or the heat or the rain or the whatever the case may be. We're, we're all the same. But, he says, make no mistake about it, God intends to fully reward you for your part in his kingdom purposes and his, his kingdom work. So, we would say, okay, what does that mean? What do God's rewards look like? Well, I think we can safely rule out uh, temporal, intrinsic things of value in this world, right? Like, like gold, right? I think we can rule that kind of stuff out because Revelation 21, 21 tells us that uh, gold is just God's asphalt, right? Gold is, is just God's paving material, the very streets of, of heaven, whatever all that means. Our, our so I think we can rule some of that, that stuff out. And honestly, can I tell you the truth? I don't know what all God's rewards will be. I don't think Scripture clearly tells us that. And I I think there's reasons for that. But I don't know what all God's rewards will be. What I know is there, some other verses we'll look at in just a moment, are very clear that God is going to reward people for how they choose to build this life, right? But it doesn't necessarily tell us exactly what those rewards will be. But here's the deal. I'm okay. 
I, don't, I hope you are, but I'm okay leaving that in the hands of an all-loving, all-powerful, all-creative God. I'm okay saying, God, I don't, I don't know what that means, uh, what all these rewards are, but, but you've done a pretty good job with everything else you've done, so I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave this reward thing in your hands and trust, just trust you for it. I'm, I'm okay doing that. And, and if you're, you know, maybe in genuine humility, one of these persons that would say, well, I... I don't want to be rewarded for what I do. Okay. A, more for me. And I, I must tell you, I'll take anything God wants to give me because I know it's going to be good if it's coming from God. But B, and more importantly, are you seriously going to stand before God someday and say, oh, oh Lord, no thanks. I, I'm really not interested in your, in your rewards. You know what I'm saying? But Paul comes back to this idea. He says, listen, we're the same. But God's going to individually reward you. I am so grateful that God doesn't uh, reward the way the world would reward, right? God's rewards will not be based on, on prominence or, or popularity or, or anything like that. God's rewards will be based on sacrifice. God's rewards will be based on, on surrender. God's rewards will be based on service. That's that's what God will base his rewards in your life for all of eternity. Listen, God's saying, listen, I don't want to, and listen, I'll say this too. I got a lot to say. It's not, this is not us saying, because we might think, well, I don't, that doesn't sound right. This is not us saying, well, uh, what do you do for me if, I, if I'll do this for you? That's, that's not, this is our heavenly father saying, I want to richly reward my children for their faithfulness to me. I want to do this, what God says. I, I just think that's an unbelievable thing. But it's, 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 it's surrender, it's sacrifice, it's service. That's what God sees. I, I, had, I had this t-shirt made a few years ago for a, a sermon uh, I did. I don't remember, but I was kind of playing off the, the Latin term carpe diem. And, and I, came up with this, uh, I came up with this shirt that says, um, where is it? Deus vide, deubus nostris. And I came up with a shirt. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure all of y'all r- right away remember. Oh yeah, I remember when you wore that shirt three years ago or whatever else. Um, God sees, S-E-E-S, our days. Listen, in the providence of God, in the economy of God, you may serve in a place where you're seen by many. Or you may serve in a place where you're never seen by any. But God sees God sees your faithfulness. God sees your sacrifice. God sees your service. God sees your surrender to him and his purpose and plans in your life. No matter what anybody else thinks or, or how, oh, this person's they're getting this notoriety or this isn't going, whatever. I, that's a good word. And God intends to reward us for that. So, so we may not be able to say what all God's rewards are. I don't know what all God's rewards are. But a better question, a more important question is, how do I... How do I earn God's rewards? You should want to know that. How do I earn God's rewards? I, um, Paul gives us the answer here, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. Choose your building material carefully. Choose your building material carefully. If you're going to do this thing, you better, you better choose it carefully. And so Paul goes in and... Uh, where is it? Start picks up like in verse twelve, probably. Yeah, verse twelve. 
he says, or he establishes the fact first in verse 11 that there's no other foundation to be laid except that of Christ Jesus, right? That's the foundation. That's the foundation we have to lay. There, there's no other foundation. He is, he is the chief cornerstone of Isaiah 28, 16, Ephesians 2, 20, 1 Peter 2, 6, and 7. He's that chief cornerstone. But having established it, that's what a life has to be built on. That's what it has to be based on. In other words, you've got to come to relationship to Jesus Christ. That's where it all starts. I start with this relationship with God Almighty through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then he says, in verse, picking up in verse 12, Now, if any man builds on the foundation of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire... Man, there's a lot to chew on in there. Let's see if we can kind of break it down in some bite-sized pieces that we can, can deal with, okay? Paul starts out and he says, uh, if any man builds on a foundation, what, who's the foundation? What's the foundation? Christ. Jesus Christ. That's right. That's, that, that, that's the foundation. If any man builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. What is that all about? What does that mean? Well, hmm, obviously, he's not talking about literal gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, because he's talking about spiritual things, right? He's talking about the spiritual work that we're involved in. He's talking about the building of the kingdom of God. And so, uh, as Paul is writing here, gold, silver, uh, precious stones represent building with materials. And I don't know, I don't, that's probably not up on the screen, but I think you've got some blanks there if you like to fill those in. Gold, silver, and precious stones represent building with material that is spiritually valuable and therefore eternal. He's talking about spiritual things, so, so that's, that has to be what he's talking about with gold, silver, and precious stones. It's not literal gold, silver, and precious stones. It's you're building your life on things that have, have lasting value to them. That's the, that's the contrast here. Uh, something that's done for the glory of God, for the building of his kingdom, that is valuable and therefore it is eternal. Wood, hay, and straw, therefore, would represent uh, building with material that is spiritually worthless and therefore temporal. It, it, it won't make it past the grave. It, it, it has no value to it because it's, it's built on, it's focused on, it's all about this world. And, and listen to me, not even necessarily, I'm not even talking about, you know, running off into some gross immorality or something like that. I'm just talking about living a life that is focused here and now for me and mine and, and whatever this and that and, and, the, and the things of life and the business of life that, that Paul says, say this with me, wood, hay, straw. It's just, it's, it's, it's burn up. So there's a contrast here. He says, here's, here's material that will last for eternity. Here's stuff that will, that will just will be gone. So that, that's the first thing. That's, that's material that he's talking about. The second thing has to do with the, the fire. The fire referred to there in those verses is representative of the, basically of the holy, pure fire judgment of God. Okay? It's not, not necessarily literal fire. But, it is, but, but we know that fire is a purifying agent, right? 
can be. It burns up what, what is combustible. And so it represents the, the fiery judgment of God that someday we will stand before holy God and our lives will be revealed for what they, for what they were, for what the value was, for what, they, what we thought was important, what we lived for, what really mattered. And therefore, that then leads to the third idea, which is that the judgment is specifically and solely for people who have committed their life to Jesus Christ and have been born again. This is not a judgment about salvation, okay? Right? It's not a judgment about salvation because Paul makes it clear that whatever, you've got two different guys represented here building with different materials, but, but he, what does he say there at the end? But both will be saved. Is that how he puts it? They will be saved, yet as through fire. The implication being both of them built on the foundation. They genuinely had a relationship with Jesus Christ. But one chose to focus this life, however long it is, on things of eternal value, eternal worth, the kingdom of God, living my life for his honor and glory, making choices that would honor him, uh, serving him in ways that, that make me sometimes have to sacrifice, but I, but I do it because I believe my God is worthy. And God says, bless you, child. Just wait till you get here. You're not even going to believe what I got for you. Versus the life of the person that genuinely is in relationship with Jesus Christ. I, mean, I think Paul's clear about that here. They're, they genuinely are born again. But... The business of life, the, 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 the things that I've got to do, the places I've got to be, the, the, the things that I want, and we all have, have that, right? Struggle with things we want, this, that, that. Paul says, listen, that, that is so temporal. And therefore, because it's temporal, it is in, in, in actuality, it is worthless. And you and I have the privilege, the opportunity, as believers in Jesus Christ, to make this choice every day with my life. God, am I, I'm going to live it for you and for your honor and glory because you deserve it. It's, a, it's you deserve it. But, Paul says, and by the way, when you get there, God's got a few rewards stored up. One, ta- one has rewards when he gets there, right? You kind of say, some of y'all heard me say this. I, I've said this many times at a funeral. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? You can't take it with you. But Paul seems to be saying, you, you can send it on ahead. You, you basically can live your life in a way now that God intends to reward you for it. And, and again, I'm just going to say this. If you're thinking, well, I, I, I don't care about the rewards. I, I, I just want to get in. Trust me, you will care when you get there. You will care. God is, is so amazing in what he does. And when he says he wants to give us something Believe me when I tell you, and I know I haven't been there yet, but I'm just telling you, believe me, when you get there, you're going to like, oh, why did I build so much with wood, hay, and straw? And all of us do some, right? We've got to be honest. All of us at times like, oh, holy smokes. Literally, holy smokes, that just burn up. <laughs> and somebody might say, come on, isn't heaven reward enough? No! Because heaven's not a reward. Heaven is a result. Heaven is a result of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross so that I could have a relationship with him. Heaven is a result of, of, of what Christ did for me. Rewards are something entirely different that God intends to give me as a result of serving him. All right, I can tell I'm not going to get very far with this. Let me, let me tell you a story. This week, just last week, I was reading an article uh, from Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry that makes people all over the world aware of and tries to minister where they can to people being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. 
I was re- reading just last week in Voice of the Martyrs that uh, a young mother, young wife and mother by the name of Asia Bibby, I was reading her story. I had read her story before. I've been praying for her. Uh, each time I got an update for her, I tried to remember to pray for her. Asia Bibby was sentenced to death in uh, 2010 uh, for blasphemy in Pakistan. She lives in Pakistan. She was sentenced to death in 2010 for blasphemy because she declared Jesus as Lord. And so she was arrested, she was put on trial, and she was convicted of blasphemy. She spent the last eight years on death row. Reports from the way she was treated in prison, the conditions were, were horrible. But just a little over a week ago, November 1st, the Supreme Court of Pakistan overturned her conviction and... Asia Bibi was supposedly immediately set free because uh, we don't really know. Nobody knows where she is. I'm, I'm sure somebody knows where she is, but the world at large does not know where Asia Bibi is right now because her family, uh, herself, ha- have, have death threats on this. Matter of fact, riots broke out. I don't know if you saw it, saw it on the news or not, but there was rioting this past week in Pakistan because Muslims are up, upset that Asia Bibi was not put to death. Y'all ever been to the grocery store and you got in line to check out and you got behind somebody that had like 162 items and they've got like coupons for every one of them and you're like, oh, this is never going to get over with. They're never going to get done. Don't get behind Asia Bibby in the reward line in heaven. And thousands like her. Why? Because they've said to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's what Paul is saying to us. Listen, all this stuff, all the stuff you're worried about and stuff you want to accumulate, stuff you want to have, okay, get it. But I'm just telling you, build your life. So that, that, let, me, let, me just, let, me, let me give you a, a couple of verses. Bring, well, I don't think I can bring it up on the screen. In uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus says, let me read it to you, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures Where? In heaven, where? Where, where thieves do not break in and steal, where, where moth and rust does not corrode or corrupt or, or tear down. The stuff stored up there, that stuff is there and it's there forever. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples. Store up, build up for yourself treasures in heaven. In uh, Luke uh, chapter 6, Jesus also says, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil. Blessed are you. Well, it doesn't feel very blessed, right? In that moment, I don't feel very blessed to be threatened or to be laughed at or to be persecuted or to lose my job because of my faith in Jesus Christ or whatever the case may be. Jesus says, blessed for the sake of the Son of Man. Blessed when, they, when you do it for the sake of the Son of Man. Listen to what he says. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. Like I said, Scripture doesn't talk a lot about it, but it talks enough to know that God intends to fully reward you individually, personally, for your part in His kingdom work. So, let me ask you this question and we'll close. What are you building your life with? Not what are you building it on. Hopefully you've built it on, on, on the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if you haven't, you need to do that. You've got to build a foundation first. You've got to know Christ as your Savior. You've got to build anything, you've got to have a foundation. But after that, if you've been to the cross, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's, it's a very important question for you and I to ask. What are you building your life with? What is the material that you are using? 
What is the focus? What is the goal? What is the, what is the desire and the ambition of my life? Because if it is for where I can get in this life or what I can gain in this life or, or how much square footage I can have in this life or what model car I can drive in this life, and I'm not, I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, just saying if that's where my focus is, say it with me, in, in eternity. You understand what I'm saying? That, 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 that's just, it's, it's, it's wood, hay, straw because it doesn't necessarily have any uh, eternal value to it. But sacrifice, service, Surrender, gold, silver, precious, the things of value that will last into eternity. Build up. Build up. This life, someone said to me earlier this morning that they recently said to their spouse, how can I be 41 years old? I was just 14 two weeks ago. Can I just say this? Now, I know I've got to close. Those of you here, children, teenagers, you don't believe me when I say that. You're, I mean, I know you're hearing me, but you're thinking that's a lie. I'm never going to turn 16, or I'm never going to turn 18, or I'm never going to get to 21. I'm just telling you, what are you building your life with? How exciting it is to think about God's rewards. As Pastor Clay explained in today's message, we may not know exactly what those rewards will be, but if they come from a loving Father, we know they're going to be perfect. Surrender, sacrifice, and service are the keys to receiving God's rewards. Each of us who knows Christ as our Savior has the Spirit of God dwelling in us. As we heard today, we are the Holy of Holies. We should choose to live our lives in a way that honors Him with the life He has given us and leave the rewards up to Him. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice reality. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculture.church. 
Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.